0: Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. In today's episode of the podcast, I'll be talking about something called reflective practice. There are different versions of this that exist, but I'm basically talking about the method that I use to reflect on a situation. I suppose with two goals. One is to help myself to reset, to reflect on a conflict that I might have just been in and almost like find a way to process it so that I'm not carrying any negativity, built up adrenaline, that kind of thing from that situation anymore. But the other goal is to improve. I want to reflect on the situation to think about potentially, I guess, how I could have done something differently, especially if the if it didn't go well, you know, if I didn't get to the desired outcome and I'll talk the reason that it's a topic I think is relevant for me today is because I sort of yelled at my son this morning. So I'll talk about what happened there and. Potentially, how I now have thought about that situation through the day and what that will mean, maybe, for tomorrow. So I'll um, do it based on my own experience, but my goal is that you can see the way that I think about these situations so that in your own life, whether the conflict you're dealing with is at work or in your personal life, parenting might be a very similar situation that I'll describe. Um, I hope that maybe you'll be able to take the approach and then if you can apply it and... Reflect on your own practice of dealing with conflict. Well, the goal is that then that is one of the tools that helps you to improve both in your confidence as well as your competence at dealing with conflict. Before we get into that, though, I just wanted to say a massive thank you very much for listening. I've had a few emails lately from people who listen to the podcast saying that it's useful for them and they liked it. So I have to admit, that's a real high point for me. I've done the podcast now for a little while. I do it free. My hope is just that it's useful for people who listen. And so to hear that from a couple of people, I have to. Admit, it really made my day. Um, I'm not saying you need to send me an email saying that it's useful for you. But if you would like to get in touch, maybe you have a question about the something I talk about today or something else you'd like me to answer in a future episode. Or a case study or situation that you're dealing with and you'd like me to talk about maybe how I would approach it from the lens of a mediator or what does the research say around a particular topic. I'm more than happy to go through that too. A lot of my day job is delivering conflict resolution training. So I'd be happy to even cover different elements like de-escalation skills or assertiveness or uh, positive confrontations or high conflict personalities or whatever it is that would be useful for you. So that email address is podcast at simongood.com. So podcast at S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E dot com. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Let's get into that topic of reflective practice and how we can use it to avoid the negative buildup of conflict as well as to improve. So when I'm talking about reflective practice, I guess what I'm describing is some time that I set aside to deliberately process an event For me as a mediator, it might be a mediation that I've done that day and I want to do some journaling or debrief with a colleague to reflect on the situation, especially if it was one that was pretty full on and I wasn't sure about whether or not I dealt with it correctly or maybe made a mistake or a misstep along the way. And uh, I guess for you, it might be something similar involving a situation that you were in, but even... I guess the other situations when reflective practice can be useful is when you're experiencing a situation vicariously, whether you're in an accidental mediator type of role, you're a team leader or a manager at work and two of your staff are in conflict, or maybe one of your kids is talking to you about conflict that they're dealing with. This same approach to reflective practice can also be useful in those situations as well, both for clearing the buildup of stress in the short term and helping us to develop a plan that would. Ideally, help us move towards what we want, which is supporting the people involved or not being negatively affected or whatever it is, uh, I guess, more efficiently. The format for doing the reflective practice is really up to you. The first step is that we need an opportunity to vent. So for me, I often grab a notebook and just write with a pen and paper. I find that that's the most helpful thing because it slows down my thinking. I can type a lot quicker than I can write with a pen. So it's sort of in a way makes me funnel this very scattered, overwhelming collection of thoughts that I'm sitting there with into a tight (laughs) funnel (laughs) with the pen and how many words I can write per minute or whatever. And in a way it almost then helps me to prioritize and What I tend to notice is that the bits that I end up writing, they mean something. Anyway, you can type, you you could use your phone if you need to, although that's not ideal. Um, Or maybe the other option is just talking. Some people talk to themselves in the car while they're driving, or you might get your phone out and record yourself. Maybe there is a colleague or someone, a family member, a friend you could talk to and say something like, look, I just had a really full-on conversation. Would you mind if I just do a quick Uh, debrief or would you just mind listening to me quickly so I can have a chance just to process it. Um, If you decide to talk to someone else, one of the things that I suggest is usually helpful is to let them know what you need from them. I know for a lot of people, when their partner comes to them in a marriage, for example, and talks about a situation at work, what they're really wanting is just someone to listen to them. But what their partner often does is they jump in and try to solve the problem they give advice or make a recommendation or offer to fix it themselves and if that's not what you want I guess then why don't you explicitly say to them would you mind if I just talk this through with you I'm not necessarily look- looking for any advice but if you think I'm seeing something wrong or you know uh, maybe I've I've really missed something then let me know but yeah I'm I'm perfectly fine at the moment just to let it sit and I'd actually like some opportunity to think about options before I decide about how to respond. So it's like, I'd like you to listen to me. Would that be okay? <laughs> and then if they jump in giving advice, say, yeah, look, I get where you're coming from. You're trying to be helpful uh, right now. I, sp- I suppose just it, what would be most helpful for me is just listening. How does that strike you? Does it seem like I'm over uh, overreacting or whatever it is that you're worried about that you might be doing? So let the other person know this is what you want. But this first step really just involves externalizing whatever's sitting there. It might be feelings and emotions that are built up, like I'm feeling really angry or frustrated or exhausted or overwhelmed or whatever it is, or thoughts that you're having, like I'm concerned about how it will affect other people or what does this mean for this or, you know, I just don't know what to do. And there's probably a physical layer as well. So it's just, you know, now I feel like I can't sit still and I can't concentrate or I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to switch off or whatever. So there's no right and wrong to this. It's just a chance to express yourself and spend a few minutes doing it, you know, two or three minutes at least. Four or five minutes is usually good, maybe up to ten And the goal is just to describe what happens. They came in and said this. I felt really uncomfortable. I just didn't know what to do. I ended up saying this. They stormed out. i got no idea what they're going to do next. They just seem like a complete nutcase to me. I'm feeling really uncomfortable about the whole situation and I regret taking the job. (laughs) That would be an example. Like write all that down. And then the next step is that you step back and reflect on what you've just written. It's like (laughs) meta-analysis. If we're down there and we've just um, sort of prepared the field, now we need to hop in the helicopter and look up at the pattern that we've just sown in the seeds. Um, It's a chance to take the bird's eye view of all of this. And what we're looking at is the way, the story that we're telling ourselves about this. So as you look back through what you've written or you've recorded or what you've just said to the other person and think about it, even asking them to play it back and what jumps out at them, what our goal is is to almost fill in the detail in the story. What tends to happen in conflict and difficult conversations is that because these are really stressful experiences, the rational bit of our brain works at reduced capacity and the subconscious areas of our brain, the limbic system, the amygdala, They tend to be overreactive, hypervigilant, have more influence on our behaviors, which means that we often walk away from these situations with a pretty black and white story about what just happened. That was terrible. That was a disaster. That was really uncomfortable. I just felt overwhelmed. Um, That didn't go well. The thing is that if we're just telling ourselves that meeting didn't go well, we're missing all of the nuance in that conversation. There would have been bits that we managed well and bits that we didn't. There would be bits of that conversation that we're responsible for and bits that it is just up to the other person. And when I say that they're a nutcase, well, there's probably parts of their behavior that did seem pretty irrational and there were other parts that probably they had a reason and it might just be one that I'm not aware of, for example. So we look at this story that we're telling ourselves and we ask a question like, how true is this? What else could be going on? What are some other possible explanations for this? We add extra detail for the bits of the story that we might be lacking. We add context, like, you know, this is a really challenging situation for both of us to be in. I'm in an acting team leader role at the moment, so I'm unclear about my own authority. This puts us in a difficult position because I'm managing someone who previously I was at the same level as them, or my teenagers going through hormones changes at the moment, or I know my wife hasn't had much sleep recently. We can add in the influence of context, which helps us not to take it as personally, What tends to happen again when our subconscious is interpreting someone's behavior is that we think that it's all because of their intention. In other words, they meant to do it. And so, of course, then it feels really personal. Whereas when we pause and think about what else could have been going on, um, this was a really horrible day for everybody on the team. We just went from crisis to crisis. It's not surprising that everybody had their nerves frayed by the end of it and that this regular meeting that normally doesn't go too badly just went completely pear-shaped it might not be because I'm a terrible leader and I should never be the manager and I'm a complete failure and whatever else I'm telling myself or that this person is clearly a narcissist or that I need to complain to my boss maybe this is just, it was a blip in the radar, I can just let this one go or I can think about what to do next time we're in a situation to prevent this from coming up again So we add the themes, we add the context, we add this extra detail, which hopefully means we're not sitting there with this black and white story, which is connected to the memory. And what this is doing is it's rewiring that memory. We're creating new associations, not this simple right and wrong, black and white, it's all my fault type of story, not these single very strong emotions like anger. We mix in a whole bunch of other stuff that was going on as well. We build in the understanding of the context. And all of this means that these memories don't sit there being as volatile, so they don't come back as often. We're not finding that they're intruding in it, in our mind when we're trying to sleep at 3 a.m., So that in itself can be really helpful, that type of meta thinking, thinking about your thinking. If you wanted to add in the extra layers though, and this is the step that I normally take, is I notice what physical effects are going on while I'm thinking about all this stuff. Uh, gosh, I almost swore there and I almost um, I hope I've I'm I won't swear on the podcast, but I was going to say a mild swear word um, because it, it is, it's this junk that we're sitting there with and it's toxic. There's an element of it that's sticky and stinky and corrosive. And so after we've just been in conflict, we're sitting there often with a pretty negative buildup of physical effects. We might be shaking or feeling really tired or our neck might be really tight. Or we just can't concentrate, we're flitty and scattered Just notice that and then that might give you information about what you need Like have something to eat for example Or go for a quick walk around the building to burn off the adrenaline Before you go back and write that complicated stressful email You might also ask yourself what is still sitting there in your mind Which bits of that conversation or which bits of that conflict stood out to you the most Which memories keep coming back again and again Was it when they were waving their finger in your face at the end of it or was it the beginning and how nervous you felt as they sat down and that look that they gave you? That also might be a clue about there's something about that bit of the story that's still sitting there in that very black and white way and maybe you could do a little bit more processing on that, just thinking about that again, Uh, what was going on, although that felt really scary. Um, That actually was a situation that's important for you to become comfortable with because it will be part of your job having recently joined the HR team. Um, And then you might think practically, what do you need to do? And there's two areas to this. What do you need to do for the situation or the issue or the other person? So do you need to send them a follow-up email or contact your boss or let HR know or put some type of a performance management process into the system like – What do you need to actually do for the issue itself? And then also, what do you need to do for yourself? What do you need right now in terms of looking after yourself? Do you need to just take a minute? (laughs) Do you need to reschedule a few meetings from this afternoon? Do you need to organize your parents to look after the kids? (laughs) Um, Do you need to let your partner know that you might be late home? Or do you need to go home and take the afternoon off because you've got a migraine coming on? Just what do you need right now? Just practically speaking. And then given all of that, the final step is to ask yourself, what is a helpful next step that I can take? When we orient ourselves on that next step, then all of a sudden we have something tangible to focus on. We get a sense of accomplishing something. If it's, you know, rescheduling this meeting from tomorrow to a, a time later in the week or whatever it is. Uh And then it helps us then to move on. It's like turning the page. It's starting the next chapter in the story. And again, this is something that's just really helpful for focusing our attention on that area that's going to be more productive rather than spending time ruminating about the past or worrying about what might happen in the future. So as I mentioned, I actually used this technique to reflect on a conflict today. It was yelling at my son. He actually ended up being home from school and I was asking him to brush his teeth or do something this morning and asked him earlier than that to put his plate in the sink and even before that to pick up the lolly wrappers that he'd left on the couch from the day before. And at some stage I came back and saw that all of those things hadn't been done. The lolly wrappers were there and the plate and the teeth hadn't been brushed and he was sitting there wanting something else from me like wanted me to help him open this other new toy or something. And uh, I just, yeah... was like, for God's sakes, Louie, like, you know, this. in hindsight, this is not how I would like to manage these situations. It's so funny. I think a lot of people come to training with me and think, well, people say all the time, you're so calm. Are you just a Zen kind of person? Do you ever get angry? Yeah, I get angry all the time. I'm sort of good at dealing with some conflict situations, but there's others that just push my buttons and I lose it and I overreact or I'm too nervous and end up dealing with something indirectly and sending a massive, long, waffling email instead of calling someone and just saying, hey, I'm really concerned about this. What's your take on it? So that was one today. So I yelled at him and, you know, this is ridiculous, mate. It has to be give and take and you're not doing any giving. It's just take with you. Now, as I look back on that, even just what I've described there, it is so obvious to me how futile that was, (laughs) yelling, yelling, It had a 0% chance of getting to any kind of a good outcome. It made him obviously upset. It made him scared. It's not how I want him to remember me as a dad. I don't think I'm being a good role model for him in that moment of how to deal with conflict. And like, I'm not saying I should have let it go. I think it was quite appropriate for me to do something. But I wish that I'd been assertive with him in a way that's calm and composed and still loving even though he's doing something that I don't agree with. Like I'm certainly capable of that if I can find a way to regulate my own emotions. But in that situation, what happened was that I lost it. And a lot of the time I I talk in my conflict resolution training about this self-awareness being so critical and I've developed it myself to some extent. And we've all got a, a, whatever level of capacity we have for that, right? We've Got some blind spots that we're not aware of, and other things that we are aware of. But this morning, it just, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. It's like you just see red. Sometimes, for whatever reason, the emotions just take over. The limbic system kicks in, and the rational bit of your brain doesn't get much of a look in. Like, I can't remember rationally deciding, okay, this will be a good time to yell. But nevertheless, that was where I found myself. So, as I look back on that situation, for me, I just, pretty much just thought it through, although as I've gone through that talking now, I guess that would be an example of externalizing it. What I can see is that there's a few bits where context has really contributed. Like he was home from school, I was stressed about being able to still do my work today. Um, he might have been feeling a bit um, nervous, sad, stressed about being sick. He had conjunctivitis, so it wasn't a big deal, but you know, he doesn't know that necessarily. <clears throat> and I can sort of see how... All of those factors had led to a buildup of stress in me from way before that. So for probably 30 minutes before, I was probably walking around like a tightly coiled spring. And so if it wasn't this, it would have been something else. What I'm actually realizing is that I should have taken a five minutes to meditate or had a shower or something to reset my nervous system, had something to eat so that I didn't just spill out and end up lashing out at him or, or someone else. Um, So as I'm sitting here now, what I notice is that I'm calm, but when I was telling that story, I wasn't. So that gives me a good indication, at least for me, that this has been a helpful process of just reflecting and thinking about it. If I was still sitting here shaking or I noticed, you know, my stomach was in knots or I needed to go to the toilet or whatever, I'd think about what does that mean I need? Is it to go for a walk and... Recharge, or is it just take a rest for the rest of the afternoon, or just do something really simple for dinner? Um, you know, clean up and make things organised for me, so I can feel a bit more settled. Just think about what I need, basically, and what's still sitting there in my mind. For me, it's guilt. It's looking at this horrible incongruence of literally being a mediation mediator and a conflict resolution trainer and like yelling about something like lolly wrappers on the, the couch. Like, it's just absurd. My only hope is that in showing this to all of you and, I mean, I don't usually mind talking about stuff that I mess up in conflict um, because it, it normalises it. It's like we're not going to get all of this right. And if your expectation is going into a job, you become a team leader. And if you think that you're going to be able to deal with all different conflicts that you come across well at all times – regardless of how much stress is building up for you and how much pressure you're under in other areas of the job. I mean, you're bananas. There's no way. You're literally setting yourself up for a lot of self-bashing when you don't live up to your own standards of perfection, which is where this guilt comes from. It's like we're generating this for ourselves sometimes because of the unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves. So even for me, as I look at guilt and why I'm guilty... It's, I wasn't perfect. Well, that gives me a chance then to, again, it's think about my thinking, go to that meta layer of analysis, which would be, well, how come I'm feeling so guilty? You know, who do I know who's the perfect parent? What do I expect from someone whose kids homesick and they're trying to manage their work and all that kind of stuff? Well, I still take responsibility for it. So given all of that stress, what did I actually need in that situation? It was to take a few minutes to reset or whatever it was or to be more structured with my wife about who was doing what for looking after him or I mean there's a few options that I could do but all of that sort of helps me then to take that guilt and it's like I'm breaking it apart into a granular way into a granular way of thinking about it it's hard to sort of conceptualize some of these things but as I look at the guilt and how come I'm feeling so guilty and what that's about I get this extra layer of detail And then it's almost like it's more able to be absorbed and processed. (laughs) Like instead of a big glob of soap sitting there, if you can break it apart like washing powder, if you stir it, it will dissolve. And it's a little bit like stuff like guilt, I think, sometimes as well. It's that few moments that we spend processing it and breaking it apart into its components means that we're able to deal with them all individually relatively easily. Whereas sitting there in a big glob, it feels overwhelming and confronting and stressful and um, probably traumatic in, in some situations. And we relive that again and again then because it takes us over and intrudes in our thoughts and we ruminate about that stupid thing that we said yesterday or worry about the conversation that's coming up tomorrow. So noticing all of that, and I just say what's still sitting there in my mind, it's my consciousness, like what are the stories that keep getting played again and again in the cinema of my thinking. And then I ask myself two questions. One is, what do I need to do for the situation? And then the second is, what do I need to do for myself? So with my son, do I need to apologize to him? Do I need to make it right? Do I need to go and spend some time connecting? Do I need to explain to him what happened and what he did wrong Is there a follow-up I need to do tomorrow morning to make sure I'm not in that same situation? It's like there's a practical planning element. But the other question is about what do I need to do for myself? And for me tonight, it's probably be careful not to slip into an unhealthy coping habit. That was a stressful morning and it's been a stressful day. And what I want is a beer. (laughs) And I don't think that's the best thing for me. I think what would be the best thing for me is going to YouTube and Googling 15-minute yoga and doing that instead. So I'm at a crossroads right now. <laughs> so it's this what do I need to do for myself question. That's another important one. Because if all I do is focus on my son, then I'll go and get the beer and put on weight and not sleep well. And my goal at the moment is reducing my drinking so that that's not what I want to do. So given all of that, then you might have a helpful next step that you should take, go and talk to him and apologize. Um, for me, it is literally probably just look at 15-minute yoga and do it in my office here i am um, told everyone I'm recording a podcast, so hopefully I won't get interrupted. Um, but I, I hope that you can sort of see then how I go through those steps, starting with the initial vent and dump, and then noticing the themes and context and adding detail. I might pay attention to stuff like the physical event effects or what's sitting in my mind, and then what do you need to do in your situation, or what did I need to do for the issue, for the problem? For the conflict itself and then also what do i need to do to look after myself and then what's the next helpful step that you can take orienting ourselves towards the future helps things to feel more contained and under control to some extent we build in that certainty for ourselves um i'd love to hear from you though you know any feedback a question or what resonated amongst all of that would you have preferred me to go quicker do you like the When I add the personal level of detail, do you prefer to keep it at the more theoretical level, talk about research? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty flexible and open to what resonates. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate it again, and I hope that this has been helpful for you. Um, Good luck and all the best managing the conflict situations that you will encounter over the coming week or two, and I'll hopefully meet you again for a future episode of the podcast. Bye for now.